0: I'm trying to figure out where this noise is coming from.
1: That noise. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> ah, yes, what is happening? That's a different sound.
0: And remember this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones.
1: Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips,
0: the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And welcome
1: to another episode. Oh, mom's so proud of me because I remembered to talk. You just went right into it. You just <laughs> rolled with it. You were calm. You were confident. You were assertive. That's my You girl. got a lot from
0: welcome to another episode.
1: <laughs> what number are we on, baby? 73. 73. I had
0: to check. Mm. That's good. And- Speaking of episodes, so last episode we did a memory yep. retrospective. Yep. I called it forget us not because that was the only thing I could think of. And one of our listeners was interacting with us on Facebook and called it Mamory Memory. Oh, that should do. I'm so
1: upset. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, that's a way better name. You should maybe just, like, go back and... Change it? <laughs> well, subtitle it. Subti- like, add a subtitle. Called... AKA, I think is what you said the other day. Yeah. AKA. Memory Memories. Memory Memories. Yeah. Because that <laughs> was... way better. It was significant for us it's during so the It's so better. Well. I liked your title, too, though. Don't be too hard on yourself, Anna.
0: Memory Memories, You've though. come
1: up with 72 titles. That's really true. I'm getting... Getting sleepy, getting tired, <laughs> a little burnout on little the title. <laughs> I thing. Don't have any more titles. Just call me, it guys. yet another show.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah, it's another
1: episode. What do you want from me?
0: That's gonna be one if of you, them.
1: If you want creative titles, go back to maybe fourteen. One you know, of them is just gonna be a shrug emoji. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> episode still seventy-seven. Talking. Shrug emoji. <laughs> we are still here. <laughs> Oh my God, they're still doing this. <laughs> uh. I want to shout out for merch. Oh, do it. Because I've been wearing my hoodie because it's getting a little cool outside. Like, I've been yeah. wearing, wearing my Freudian Sips hoodie and it's so soft <laughs> and so warm and cozy. Yes. So if you like warm, cozy, stylish <laughs> hoodies, check out our merch. Absolutely. Absolutely. It
0: is very soft. I know she brings that up every time, but it legitimately is extremely soft. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to always bring that up. That, <laughs> that is soft. The, the selling point <laughs> of the merch. Not that it has our logo on it. That it's very soft. That's right. I want to mention reviews. We've got a couple of reviews to read. And the first one is actually from the same person who called the episode "Memory memory on oh, facebook
1: okay <laughs> uh, maybe that person should be our new title person <laughs> <laughs> maybe
0: i should outsource that maybe yeah she's um, a pretty
1: creative person i think so, so
0: via apple podcast she gives us a five-star review titled so fun and so interesting she says i enjoy this podcast it is so refreshing i learn about psychology topics and laugh as i do it it makes my workouts sail by thanks bonnie and anna keep it coming And that's from Nancy on Apple Podcasts.
1: Thanks, Nance.
0: We also have one, also a five-star, called Psychology Can Be Entertaining. It says, love this show, and I really think Anna and Bonnie are on to something. I have always been deeply interested in psychology, but I haven't found many podcasts that make learning about it actually fun. Go listen to these ladies and make sure to subscribe because you won't want to miss a single episode. Fire emoji. (laughs) You won't regret
1: it. (laughs) I wish you guys could see her fire emojis. She, I lit up when I did it. <laughs> her fingers all flew up in the air and she got very fiery looking.
0: And that's from Poldi Wyland on Apple Podcasts. And Poldy is actually from the Year of Plenty podcast. It's a oh. podcast about uh, food and gardening and there's like sustainability elements and just kind of talking about how food gets really from like growing to to table and and wow. la- the process of how food is made and, and produced. And it's really good quality. It's you should go listen to it if
1: you have any interest in that stuff. It's very good. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for those reviews. Mm-hmm. And when someone does a review, what should they do, Anna? They
0: should send us an email at freudiansipspod at com with their physical address, and we will send them a sticker. Stickers. <laughs> also include like a picture of the review or like, here's what I said in my sorry. review. Hey. So you, So we know you're not just trying to get a free sticker out <laughs> of us. <laughs> All these people are storming our we- email with... <laughs> Trying to, we have to weed Swindle out the imposters. Their Swindle their
1: way into a stick. Into a coveted sticker from Freudian sips. <laughs> they are very valuable. Freudian sticks. <laughs> that is a good idea. We should have said that before Dang now. It. See, even when you're a little sleepy, you come up with great ideas. I'm a little sleepy. I'm
0: always sleepy. I think sleepy is just a personality trait of mine now. Just like, hey, Anna, what's your whole deal? It's like, well, I'm funny. I think I'm pretty creative. I'm tired. I,
1: uh... <laughs> it comes from being creative. <laughs> yeah, wears you the heck out.
0: <laughs> use my brain too much. All right. All right. So mom was trying to figure out before we started what the theme of this episode was. And I'm mm-hmm. calling it just sort of a an expansion pack. episode because we have mentioned these topics that we're going to talk about in earlier episodes and then been like, we'll probably do more episodes on that. So we're finally doing an episode that expands on some of those ideas. Okay, I like it. I like it. So we are talking about defense mechanisms and cognitive distortions, which are just kind of ways that our brain can look at things that may not be totally
1: based in reality. That's what I was thinking, because in the last episode when we talked about memory, you talked specifically about how, I mean, that sounds kind of scary, but we can't 100% trust what our brain's telling us all the time. So I was thinking, well, these are things that sometimes our brain does that might not be 100% based in reality or total truth or whatever. Yeah, we
0: can't trust our perspective 100% because we may have these biases or these Uh kind of ways that we look at the world that are not totally
1: true, so we're going to go over some of them. Right. Mom, why don't you start with which one you're talking about? I'm going to talk about defense mechanisms. And we've actually talked about defense mechanisms in a couple of different episodes. We like them. Because when we talked about Freud, of course, which was our very first episode, um, we did kind of touch on defense mechanisms. And of course, Freud is the one who kind of gets credit for starting that ball rolling. Um, The term defense mechanisms was first used in Sigmund's paper called The Neuropsychosis of Defense in 1894. So they've been around for a while. Actually, defense mechanisms have probably been around as long as people have been around, but that's when it was first called that. <laughs> it's one of these things that like that's how brains work, but <laughs> we just we just found gosh, it out. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we talked again a little more in depth about defense mechanisms when we talked about Anna Freud, which was a much later episode. I'm sure Anna will eventually. Oh, I should remember that (laughs) one. You would think I would remember that one. Because what Anna did was, Anna Freud, that is, did (laughs) was that she expanded on her father's work. And she focused specifically on 10 defense mechanisms um, that appeared in her father's work. And those were, and I'm just going to list them real quick, and then we're going to kind of talk about them a little bit. She listed as defense mechanisms repression, regression, reaction, formation, isolation, undoing, projection, introjection turning against one's own person, that's a long title, (laughs) reversal into the opposite, and sublimation or displacement, which in my opinion are two different things. They kind of are the like, but they're different. So, and we talked about how since Anna Freud did her work, there have been other researchers and psychologists, however you want to say that, who have kind of added defense mechanisms yeah. Um. And have titled things a little bit differently. So we're gonna just basically work on the, on the basics. <laughs> okay. That was a, that was a pause. <laughs> All right. So um, let's start with repression. So I'm just gonna kind of give a little. And if you think of some something, an example that's real specific, okay. you know, turn my, like I turn my big brain on, turn on your big brain. So repression is basically. Well, I guess I should say defense mechanisms as as we've talked about repeatedly, is a way that our brain tries to protect us from something. Now yeah. Fre- Freud was very specific about the struggle between the id and the superego and you know, like when one or the other was out of balance that there was this defense thing going on to try to balance it out. Anna was more focused on on the ego itself. Yeah. And and, and just generally speaking, a defense mechanism is when we start to feel anxiety about something, when we start to feel defensive. When we think <laughs> when we think rut row, there's going to be a problem, right? Which Our, can
0: be so like subconscious, conscious, unconscious. Exactly. We're and, we're not always. Hey, I don't like this thing, so I'm going to repress it or exactly. whatever. And that's and, usually not. And
1: mostly, it usually it is not. It's not something we think about doing, right? Sometimes, once in a while, we do choose. We think, okay, I'm just not going to think about that right now or whatever. But usually, it's it's unconscious or subconscious. Right. And Freud was very specific about that. So the first one, in, and this is in no particular order. Repre- <laughs> the first one that <laughs> I'm going to talk in about. In no particular order <laughs> is repression. I think which that's is, a very common one. Yeah, I think, I think we do that a lot. Oh, um, I, I just
0: meant like I think people know about it. I think people, oh, like in the lexicon, people kind of like. Repression. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of
1: a word you throw around, like uh-huh. I repress that or. Yeah. When a feeling is hidden and forced from the consciousness to the unconsciousness because it is seen somehow unacceptable or it's causing too much anxiety. But as Freud looked at it, it was usually like the idea of like if you had, well, he was always, you know, when he talked about like the Oedipus complex and Mm -hmm. all that, that when we felt an inappropriate, according to society, an inappropriate attraction to someone sexually, that our brain would repress it would squish it back in the background because it was like, oh, I can't be attracted to that person because it's inappropriate. right? Um, Which and- is a superego thing. Right.
0: Because superego is the, like, society-based, mm-hmm. and it is the pleasure principle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if we have a thing that we're like, oh, I can't show this because society doesn't want me to do it, that's the superego
1: repressing something, right? according to Freud. Um, you could take it in another direction, and those people who work with trauma, when something bad happens, um, that's too much to handle, mm-hmm. that our brain sometimes defends against that by repressing the memory. So you hear about survivors of trauma that can't remember parts of their trauma because they've rep- their brain has repressed it, right, to protect them from thinking about it.
0: We talked about that one, I think, a little bit in uh, our last episode, the Mm -hmm. memory episode. But we also talked about how dangerous it can be to try to get those repressed memories back because it's very easy to create false memories. So that's also something we have to be careful about.
1: Okay. The other one that sounds a lot like that is regression, which is when you fall back to an earlier state of mental or physical development because your brain thinks, oh, it was not as dangerous back then. Yeah. <laughs> and you see this, I think the best example of that is in little kids. Like when maybe, you know, your child is four or five years old and you have a new baby and their brain has a little anxiety over that or feels threatened. And all of a sudden they're doing things that they haven't done since they were, you know, 18 mm-hmm. months old. They regress to... And again, that that can happen in trauma too, that when there's a traumatic event But I also
0: think that's something people do on, like, a lesser scale. And, I mean, all of these have mild examples and major examples. But, I mean, regression can be something like just doing baby talk in a weird time or something. I
1: literally just had a client this week who is um, 12 years old and very intelligent who usually acts very maturely but something happened where he as as the session was ending and and we were actually kind of out in the conference room area something happened with his little sister where he wanted like the phone or something that she had and and all of a sudden he was like talking baby talk I had never heard him talk baby talk before and I just like looked at him and said what what's going on (laughs) right now what's this here what What is happening what and he didn't stop I mean he kept talking that way when you called him out he didn't stop well no because then he explained to me in the baby talk that it was his turn to have the phone so in his mind it made sense right Right, because that put him on equal babiness with his sister, who was having the right to have the phone. I mean, that's the way I looked at it. it uh-huh. Was like you know, and that's a that's like you said. Some of these things are just very mild, and some of them are are deeper. Sure, but okay. How about projection? Projection is possessing a feeling that is deemed as socially unacceptable. That is one that I think a lot of people use. Like, oh, you're just projecting. Like, uh-huh. I think that's
0: very much in the lexicon. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
1: So so we're feeling something, and instead of admitting that it's our own feeling, we project it onto somebody else. We say they're having it. Um, and it can kind of go in different directions. I think I notice it the most with clients when they're angry or, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, they're feeling like something that somebody else is doing is stupid, so then they kind of project onto them, well, they always think I'm stupid or, you know. Yeah, I, I notice it in
0: uh, anxiety a lot mm-hmm. when people are... Especially like social anxiety, because social anxiety centers around like they're gonna judge me or they're gonna like really focus on me and really think what I did was stupid or something. So that's all thoughts that are in the person's head, right. and then they're projecting those thoughts onto everyone else. When everyone else probably isn't noticing them, they're not thinking
1: about at it. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good example. Okay, next is my favorite one. Da, 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 da. Reaction formation. I don't know why it's my favorite because it's not actually like. Do you have a favorite defense mechanism, (laughs) listeners?
0: Leave us a comment on our Twitter. I What's think I just, your favorite <laughs> defense
1: mechanism? I think I just like it because it's named. I think yeah, I think the name is. It's fond. like it's like a superhero thing. Reaction formation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the cadence that's
1: very. Crazy. And I also think it was one that really stuck with me when I was in undergrad school, like a hundred years ago. I
0: think it explains a lot. Yeah. What
1: is it? So acting the opposite way that the unconscious instructs a person to behave, usually because the like unconscious. Right. The thing that the unconscious wants you to do
0: is not something you want to show. Often exaggerated and obsessive. So this is when someone maybe has some homosexual tendencies or attraction to the same sex, and they're very active and vocal about how homosexuality
1: is wrong. That's the example I always go back to, because I think that's a significant thing.
0: I think that's something that a lot of people will go, oh, that's what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Something that's easy to get what reaction formation is. It's like that repressed homosexuality, repressed, okay, homosexuality thing,
1: so. We're putting more than one together there, aren't we? Yep. I was thinking, too, that one of the examples that I read was that, like, if if a, let's say a wife is really infatuated with a man who is not her husband, really attracted to someone else, so reaction formation, even though she really wants to act on that and give affection to that man rather than cheat and this would be kind of a positive way to use it she becomes very affectionate with her own husband you know like to try to focus that and that can be an unconscious or a conscious thing you know that she's like man I feel like I'm gonna cheat so I'm gonna focus that energy but it can also be you know unconscious that she has this value that she can't cheat you Mm -hmm. know or whatever or if she starts treating the guy that she's attracted to like garbage (laughs) that would be like forming a reaction that's
0: like totally opposite so is that like when
1: you're like third grade and you punch the boy you like or you
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that reaction formation i don't know because i don't i don't think i don't think that like oh i like him or i like her is like something that's unacceptable i think it's more just like i don't know what to do with this feeling
1: that's true you haven't learned yet what what that's right yeah okay i'm gonna try to speed up a little bit
0: okay um (laughs) that's good because i have like 50 Fifty. Not true, but I did find a thing that has 50 cognitive disorders in it.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And How about the easiest one of all, denial? And that's one that we could do. A river in Egypt. We could do either consciously or unconsciously. And you guys, I know that y'all know what that is when you're in denial about something. But that could be something that that you can <laughs> choose to do. We're
0: getting to the point in the podcast where like, denial. You guys know you that. You guys know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on.
1: If you're not sure what that <laughs> yeah. is, look at this episode. <laughs> look, no look it up. <laughs> Google Denial. It. Google what the hell is Whatever. Google Moving on. Number seven. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about denial is, unfortunately, when people are in abusive relationships and they just keep, you know, like denying that it's really that bad. You know, it's not that bad and he does uh, love me. And yeah,
0: yeah. But he's nice to me sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she only hits me when she's mad. Like, mm, mm-hmm.
1: Mm, mm. That's not okay, dude. Compensation.
0: I like this one. <laughs> Occur, I like to compensate for it occurs things. It when
1: we do not like an aspect of ourselves or our own behavior and we perceive it as negative. So in turn, we develop aspects and behaviors that we do in fact like about ourselves to compensate for the ones we don't like. So that joke
0: when someone has like a, a really nice car or like a yeah. really big truck or something, it's yeah. like, oh, they're compensating for something. Yeah,
1: that's kind of a cultural thing too. It is a cultural thing. Especially, I've heard a lot of people make that joke about big trucks. Yep. He has a really big truck. Hey, I here's wonder a what he doesn't have a big thing. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> People with
1: peepees. If you have a small one, that's fine. That's society telling you that that's not okay. It's fine. Whatever size. Yeah, you have of whatever body parts you feel bad about. <laughs> whatever body parts you have. That is a good They're way to just, say it. Yeah. Okay. Um, displacement. Displacement is the process in which we let out our feelings and frustrations on a substitute target. That's when you had a really crappy day at work and instead of yelling at your boss, you come home and kick the cat.
0: Or you can use it like proactively
1: where you're really, really angry and you go in your room and you yell into a pillow. Right. Or punch a pillow. Punch a pillow. Identification is uh, when we identify ourselves with an image that we see as ideal for our ego, we associate ourselves with groups and movements and people who we see that we want to be like. That's how that's, cults
0: form. That's,
1: yeah, that's, uh, we don't talk about that one very much. Identification. Yep. Introjection is the process in which we accept standards to be true just to avoid scrutiny. It's kind of like an extreme form of conformity. Intr- introjection. Introjection. That's another one we don't talk about a lot. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that word. Introjection. Rationalization. Oh, that's one of my favorites. That's a good one. Personally, one one of my favorites. (laughs) Use it a lot. (laughs) Love it. An example we, um, you know, you can think of, oh, so many examples, but you basically are saying, well, it's okay that I did this because blah, 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 you know, even though it goes against maybe some of your values or whatever, you say, well, it's okay because of this and this and this. Or
0: like, it's okay that a certain political leader is putting kids in cages because they should have come here legally.
1: (laughs) You are so political, little girl. Okay, this one—you know—I don't remember these next couple. I ritual and undoing. Yeah, like you're already getting into some that I don't. Yeah, <laughs> ritual recall and ever undoing. Undoing is the process of trying to undo some type of unacceptable behavior by masking it with positive behavior. Undoing. I mean, that seems like a good way. Yeah.
0: To handle something.
1: But okay. So so like when you're going through a divorce and you feel like you're not doing enough for your kids so you buy them a whole bunch of Legos. That's undoing. Mm, I don't know who would have done that. Mm, that mm, seems like a very specific done example. Done <laughs> who could have done that? <laughs> um, and sublimation is the last one I'll do. Sublimation is actually in the... Stuff that I was reading, the way that they word it is, sublimation is the only defense mechanism that could be used in a very positive way in all of its aspects. Oops, we've, we've already been saying things that you can yeah, use positively. Yeah. That's fine. But it is considered one of the healthiest ones to be using. Sublimation is the process of taking negative self-concepts and diverting them into more socially acceptable concepts that are oh, beneficial. Sure. Yeah. So someone who's experienced an extreme trauma could use their experience to help other people who are going through trauma.
0: So, like if you've gone through something really hard and you become a motivational
1: speaker. Right, right, exactly. Or like if you've had a drug addiction and you work with other people who are addicted because you really have great empathy for them. Right. So overall, I would just like to say defense mechanisms, when we say it, um, sometimes it kind of has a feeling like, oh, that's something that's mentally unhealthy. But it's not. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, that defense mechanisms are there to protect our brain, to protect us.
0: I mean, I think even the ones that are more specifically harmful
1: mm-hmm. like reaction formation. reaction
0: formation or the one where you kick the cat mm-hmm. either can be turned into something positive if you use it intentionally or just if you're self-aware that that's what you're doing you can make it into something not that bad
1: right i agree okay so i'm going to stop there for defense mechanisms because i think that's plenty so let's switch over. Let's do some cognitive distortions, baby.
0: Okay, cognitive distortions. That's the one I'm doing. Okay, guys, listen, listen. Listen,
1: y'all. She has 72. <laughs> no, of I them no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna
0: do all of them. Listen. Okay,
1: okay. Sipsters, I'm stersing in. Listening. Bring it in sipsters. I'm, I'm not saying Oh, you're not talking to me? To, talking to our friends well, excuse here.
0: Excuse me. Bring it in sipsters. I'm tired. And <laughs> you and I are gonna go on this journey together. I'm gonna I'm gonna part the curtain a little bit. Usually, for notes for these episodes, I like retype everything. It takes me hours, and I just did not have the emotional energy for that <laughs> this week. So there's a lot of copied and pasting happening. Uh, I'm gonna try to give. A description of each one, and then maybe a little example if it's kind of hard to understand, just like Mom did. And also, a lot of these overlap. I was noticing that as you were talking. Absolutely. Too. Like sometimes are, it's hard to tell which is which. Yeah, especially when they have names like regression and repression and
1: suppression, intro- introversion, introjection, introjection and projection, intro- yeah, yeah, all of yeah, yeah. it. Yeah.
0: So so there's several that are kind of, you'll listen to them and go, oh, that sounds like the other one. Yeah, they're like very subtly different, but they do kind of work together. It's very uncommon to just have one of these. <laughs> like right. you're probably going to have several that kind of all work in a web to right. protect you from whatever your brain's trying to protect you from. So let's just all try to be self-aware. Let's just all try <laughs> to look at ourselves. Let's just all try. You can tell I'm trying not to like go into my <laughs> actual list. Because I don't feel super confident about it. Let's Should just all try to like look at ourselves and like vibe with ourselves. Sit in a lotus position. Sit in, and open. Take some deep breaths. Open your chakras and just <laughs> open your cognitive distortion chakra and just look at it. You are tired. I am super tired. <laughs> okay. I will. Breathe say, through it. Breathe the, through these it. Are, I, I was I mean, I guess I was gonna say that these we talked about these more recently than we uh-huh. talked about defense mechanisms, but we talked about defense mechanisms in episode sixty nine and we talked about cognitive distortions in seventy one. <laughs> which is when we talked about CBT. So go back and listen to that. I don't think we talked about it too much. We just kind of mentioned what they are. Uh, But cognitive distortions were basically not discovered. I don't want to use that word, but labeled. Yeah, labeled would Mm -hmm. probably be a good way to say it by Aaron Beck, who was a third wave CBT clinician. So one of the more modern ones, but he was the one who really opened up the research and the awareness about cognitive distortions. So, cognitive distortions are basically kind of like defense mechanisms, where it's just ways to, instead of things that are things that are already in our brains, like, I think defense mechanisms are, like, things that have happened in our past that we're trying to change so they affect our present differently. The cognitive distortions are more about, like, how
1: we take in information. Right. Is that a good way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. And then that our brain perhaps distorts them in a way that other people would not. Yes. I, the way I look at it is that we have very individualistic distortions.
0: Oh, yeah. Very much. Uh-huh. Okay. So the first one is overgeneralization.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is pretty self explanatory. Overgeneralization is when you take one example or one story and you spread it so it is a pattern and so it fits like a whole group of people or a whole a whole lot of situations Uh and usually it can lead to pretty negative thoughts about yourself or your environment or the people around you just based on like one or two experiences so if you like go out in public and you you're around people who um maybe are not the best people and you like are acting like yourself and you're really not being received well, you can sort of generalize that to no one likes me Mm. instead of just being like these people are, Douches, right? (laughs) Like you can kind of generalize. You can come to the wrong conclusion from that.
1: Is that the same thing? Then, like, if you have a really bad experience in a relationship, and so like a man mistreats you in some way, and then so then you're like, all men are jerks. Mm -hmm. That's overgeneralizing too. Yeah, I mean, I think when you say like negative cognition. Yeah,
0: I think when you when you generalize to an entire group of people, that's going to fall into overgeneralizing. The next one is all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. or polarized thinking or black and white thinking lots of names and they all kind of describe I mean what it is thing, yep yep it's looking at something without seeing shades of gray without seeing variances in a situation it's just it is either this way or it is this way so you know my brother never lets me play with his toys my spouse Never does the dishes. Right. My He always makes me feel bad about myself. Right. My boss always is mean to never, me. always. And that's not to say that you aren't in a situation where, yeah, things are pretty bad. Like, maybe your boss is really kind of a jerk and isn't treating you well. But it's probably not always or never. Mm-hmm. It's probably not black or white. We need to be careful to be able to see the variances in situations and where there's maybe some nuance that we're not giving credit. Right. The next one is filtering or mental filter, which is not something I've heard about too much. It's not going to say that's one I'm not real familiar with. One of them were talked about. But this one is similar to overgeneralization. It's when we focus on a single negative piece of information, and so we kind of filter out all the positive ones. And an example of this could be, like, one partner in a romantic relationship dwelling on a single negative, like, comment or a thing that their partner did and viewing their relationship as just hopeless. Just like, oh. there's no way we can fix this because of this one thing that happened. When, again, l- just like overgeneralization, there's a lot more factors and there's a lot more things that maybe we could be thinking about and we're not giving credit right. to the nuance of the situation. And we, we were talking about, because we talked a little bit about this in the CBT episode when we were kind of right. going through the list of them. Mm-hmm. You can have positive, you can have kind of a rose-colored glasses mental
1: filter too. right. Where, we did talk about that. Yeah. And that can be healthy. Yes. It could also be negative. Well, yeah. Because that's what we talked about in that episode. That again,
0: like you need to be able to admit that there are good parts and bad parts to most situations. Right. I mean, it's not healthy to think
1: of. It's kind of like, again, there's just a lot of similarities in, in these. Well, um, and it just, to me, it like goes down to the core of cognitive distortions means we're not thinking clearly. Right. We're, we're not, not
0: giving credit to the reality of right. the situation. Exactly. Yeah. And the next couple ones... Very much go into that realm. It, they're disqualifying the positive or disqualifying the negative. Uh, and again, it's just it kind of that kind of the the overlaps with the filtering, thing, yeah. Doesn't it disqualifying the positive? So if you have really bad self-esteem and people are are giving you compliments, you could be disqualifying those because you're it, that doesn't fit in with your view of yourself. Right. So even though people tell you. All the time. Like I have a client who is a really good artist. I mean, she's got a lot of good qualities, but she's an amazing artist. Mm -hmm. And people tell her that all the time. I tell her that all the time. Her you know, her caregiver tells her that all the time. But she doesn't take that in. She is disqualifying the positive because she is so focused on the negatives of herself. Mm. So she's just totally not allowing that to sink in. The next one is mind reading or jumping to conclusions. This is big
1: in relationships.
0: Yes. Jumping to conclusions just in general. I think people know what that is. You don't Mm. have to Google that one. You should know what that is. (laughs) Sprain your ankle jumping to conclusions. (laughs) But mind reading especially is when we think we know what someone is thinking. Right. When we see someone and they look a little bit sour we may jump to conc- the conclusion that we know why they're upset or even like oh they're mad at me that's a big one
1: yeah it's a big one in intimate relationships what did i do what did i do to upset
0: mm-hmm. right or this can even go so far as like i i don't want to try to talk to my partner about this because i know i already know what they're thinking yeah that's big i already yeah. i already know what they're going to say i know what they're going to say mm-hmm. so i'm not going to yeah which is true sometimes we can get into patterns i i think that's one of the most useful things I've found in couples counseling when I engage in that with couples, where they get into these patterns of like talking about a a certain topic and I have to be like, whoa, do you guys realize what you're doing here? Because they fall into this mind reading thing that they've had this conversation enough that they quote unquote know what the other one's going to
1: say because they kind of follow a script. Right, exactly. Uh, But that's the sidebar. sidebar. That's a really good advertisement for couples counseling. Yes. Because it's really good to have an objective person, like, watching you talk to each other and watching how you interact and just hopefully you're being authentic in the session. Right. Because that happens, too, that sometimes couples come in and they're not authentic.
0: Yeah. So then
1: you don't know what it is that's (laughs) going on.
0: I want to pull – Add on to that plug by saying if you are in couples counseling, please talk to your partner (laughs) instead of just talking through the therapist like they're the freaking, (laughs) you can't directly speak to your partner. Tell him
1: I said. I know.
0: (laughs) Like cross your arms. I I frequently have to be like,
1: say that to her. Like say that to him. Sometimes they build up emotion and they get to the point where they feel like they can't talk to their partner. Yeah. And, but that's part of couples counseling. Okay, exactly. that's enough advertising. But, okay. <laughs> but couples
0: counseling is good. It's uh, a good thing. The next one is a type of jumping in conclusions as well. It is fortune telling. It's called a sister distortion to mind reading. And it refers to when we make conclusions and predictions based on little to no evidence. And mm-hmm. we just hold them like, that is true. There is, there is nothing that will change my mind from that. So if you are a single young person and you think oh I'm never I'm never gonna find someone who's who's gonna be in a relationship with me because right. you haven't yet that's you know that's fortune telling that's not true you're basing it on very little evidence right and that there's a lot about the world that you're not taking into account for that the next one is, it's kind of two-in-one, magnification or minimization. Mm-hmm. And they call this the binocular trick. So <laughs> it's cool. it's when you, yeah, when you look at something and it looks way bigger, or when you flip the binoculars around and it and looks way look smaller. Really tiny.
1: Um, this can also be called catastrophizing. Which we talked about a lot. I like that word. Yes. So it is the same thing. I mean, it's the same idea. Yeah, a lot of these have... Making a mountain out of a molehill.
0: Basically, yeah. The example that I saw was like, if you have an athlete who's generally really good, really excels at the sport they're playing, and then they make one mistake, and oh my god, that mistake is the end of the world. Right. Like, that is is magnification. Right. I don't know. I mean, catastrophizing is kind of hard, because that similar but not exactly the same catastrophizing to me is like when you think something is the end of the world serious yeah Yeah. way more
1: serious than it is yeah yeah Yeah.
0: when when you kind of look at a situation and go like this is going to make my relationship end right like if oh if my partner found out that i spent a hundred dollars they are going to leave me Mm. like so it just becomes this huge insurmountable thing in your head The next one is emotional reasoning, which I know we talked about last time as well. And it's kind of something that we talked about in terms of this is hard because we still want to give validity to our emotions. We want to be able to look at our emotions and say, hi, Emotion. I I see you. You're valid.
1: (laughs) I do that every day. Hi,
0: Emotion. Hi, Emotion. I see you, Emotion. Hi, sad. It's okay that you're here. (laughs) Just like get out of my way for today. Don't have time. Mm. But emotional reasoning is when we take those emotions and we use it to make judgments about situations or say like, oh, well, because I feel a certain way, this must be true.
1: Right. Like you're letting your emotions tell you what's real.
0: Yeah, we have to draw this line between, you know, when we experience an emotion that is true for us because we're feeling it we have to be able to kind of differentiate between what's internally true and externally true Mm -hmm. because something that i read while i was researching about this one was just because we feel something doesn't mean it's true Mm, i take issue with that because if i'm feeling something that is true that i'm feeling it well the feeling is
1: true yes but that doesn't mean that the the idea exactly yeah it's it, that's a hard word thing that yeah. makes you kind of get a little bristly, like oh, be careful. You right. don't want to invalidate feelings because right. if yeah. you're sad or something or upset about something, it's real that you're, you're really feeling upset sad. about it, right?
0: It's just that you may not be accurately representing what you're sad about. What is. or Exactly. Yeah. yeah, The example that they gave, I think, is a good one. If someone is jealous and, like, thinking our partner is having an affair, mm-hmm. just because we're jealous does not mean the affair is true. Right. The right. jealousy is true, and that's something that we have to look at and say, why am I jealous right now? What is bringing that up? Where is that coming from? Right. But that doesn't mean necessarily that our partner is being unfaithful. That's a good example. Okay, let's
1: talk about shoulds. <laughs> let's try. That's to my make favorite. It short. We have talked about that kind of in depth before. Yeah, because yeah that's I, I a think big one I'm going to skate by us. this one a
0: little bit. Shoulds are what they sound like. They are when we tell ourselves, "I should be doing this," "I shouldn't be doing this," "I ought to be doing this," "I have to be doing this." Like, and usually they're from kind childhood of childhood. And- yeah, the core beliefs that we talked about in CBT, yep. Yep. where the core belief is I have to be successful so then I should have gotten first place in that contest or I should have gotten that promotion or I should have worked harder to do this I should have stayed longer at the office I mean it can lead to some really damaging uh, expectations to put on ourselves that you know sometimes it's really hard for us to meet those or even impossible to meet them if that's just not the way it's gonna go so if you have some shoulds and should is a really easy word to kind of pick out once you're looking for it once you kind of know that that is a cognitive distortion if you you're listening to your own thoughts and you hear yourself going oh i shouldn't have said that you can go why shouldn't i have like Mm -hmm. what is where's that coming from who's telling me i shouldn't do that um and it's kind of helpful to really look at that and see
1: where and if you're in therapy your therapist might be saying that to you yes very much yeah
0: i I say that that's a that's a big one for me yeah like who's who's saying who yeah who's telling you made that that rule that you should do that Okay, I'm going to start to try to make these a little fester. All right, let's talk about personalization. Personalization is when a person believes that everything other people do or say is a personal reaction to them specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's taking things personally. That's what that is. (laughs) That's a good way to say it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if you're talking to someone and that someone has had, like, a really bad week... You know, we may not know what's going on with their lives, but maybe mm. if they're acting a little snippy to us, instead of going, "Oh man, I wonder if they're okay. I wonder what's going on in their life," we go, "Oh, I'm doing something wrong. Oh, they don't like me personally." I have a lot of that in me. Uh, I think, I think we, it's it's part of that wanting to please people, and that- I think so too. And I think in general, <laughs> this may sound a little harsh. I think we overvalue our place in others' like lives sometimes. Yeah. Where, I mean, like, we interact... It's not always about me. Basically, (laughs) yeah. Like, if I'm interacting with someone at work, like a coworker, and maybe they're in a bad place, like, this is the first time I'm interacting with them today. Like, it wasn't me that caused them to be in a bad place. Right. I mean, I think sometimes we can really focus on how we are affecting the world when, in fact, it's just other people have their own personal worlds that we don't know anything about sometimes. The next is control fallacies. This involves kind of two different but related beliefs about how we have to be in complete control of every situation, like in everything in our lives. So there's this if we feel like we're externally controlled, we feel ourselves to be like a victim of everything that's happening, where like we have no control. Right. And then on the other side of that is internal control fallacy, where this is kind of like personalization. We are taking responsibility for the pain and the happiness and the sadness of everyone around
1: us. Like, oh, you're, you're not happy? What did I do? It seems like a lot of them are, are based in that kind of thought. Like we think we're responsible for everything or we have control over everything or everybody's looking at us yeah it's all kind of like focused i think that's a
0: really common
1: core belief i mean i think uh, from what i have seen it comes from
0: yeah egocentrism but also like growing up i think kids are put in that position a lot where they have a lot of responsibility put on them when Mm -hmm. they shouldn't that's true and so i think that builds into some really damaging core beliefs sometimes Mm -hmm. we can also do blaming when we hold other people responsible for our emotional pain so it's kind of the opposite of like personalization or something where instead of taking responsibility for our own actions we see everything it's kind of the external control thing we Mm -hmm. see everything as it's totally out of my control and it's their problem that i am having this problem they're doing this to me yep global labeling is another one that i think is uh called something very cool it's really similar to overgeneralization. it's Mm -hmm. When we generalize one or two qualities into, like, a negative global judgment about ourselves or another person. Yeah, that
1: sounds very much like overgeneralization.
0: Yeah, I think overgeneralization goes more toward, like, I'm going to generalize this trait into, like, looking at a certain, like, race or, like, type of person or, or anything like that or profession or whatever. I think global labeling is more, like, on an individual basis like we learn one thing about someone, and then that becomes their entire identity wow, okay. in our eyes, and right. then it it sort of we don't give them credit for everything else about them that is usually very varied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we can engage in the fallacy of always being right. <laughs> where <laughs> no, none, none of us do no. that. Where again, I think that goes back to overvaluing our own place and our own knowledge, and a lot of. And I I think, again, that goes back to responsibility. Like, we put these really unrealistic expectations on ourselves. Like, I always have to be right. I should always be right. Mm -hmm. And then we can be very confident in our ignorance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to say it.
0: Sometimes we can engage in the fallacy of, uh, it's called the heaven's reward fallacy. And this is a false belief that sacrifice and, like, self-denial will eventually... Pay off, and that's hard for people who actually do have faith and are faithful because that's,
1: that's a core thing for a lot of spirituality. Exactly,
0: and so I think sometimes I, I don't know. It's it's a hard it's a hard line. There's
1: a, I was going to say there's a real hard line there because I I don't know that that's completely distortion, no. but that's because I believe that right. So maybe it is a distortion, but it's one that's one of my main distortions. You know? I don't know, yeah. I mean, I think the way I would see it as a distortion is if someone was sitting
0: on my couch and saying like. I don't do anything for myself. I'm never happy. I do it's about all these sacrifices. Right. But that's okay because when I die, I'll go to heaven and right. it'll be all fine. Right. Right. What I would say as the counselor is, no, no, you deserve to be happy right now, right here on right. Earth. Right. Like regardless of what you believe about the afterlife, right. you
1: deserve to... To enjoy your time right now. And I think that, it's again, we always talk about the balance thing. But, I mean, life is full of sacrifices. If you're going to be a great athlete, there are sacrifices you have to make to be a great athlete. If you're going to be a good spouse, Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to sacrifice things in order to be a good spouse. Right. But that I think that's a good example, Anna, that there just has, you know, there has to be balance.
0: And also it's, again, that kind of external control thing where instead of being like – I am going to take control of my own life, and if I am self-sacrificing, I want to look for a way that I can be happy and that I can take care of myself too. Instead of being like, I'm just going to self-sacrifice, I'm going to you know, take on all this responsibility, I'm going to do all this stuff, and eventually an external force is going to reward me for that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've got to find our own reward. Sometimes we have got to be the agency of that happiness, and by giving all that control to even a higher power, that's just not giving ourselves very much credit. Okay, the next one is—I'm sorry, I've—I uh, have moved on to the article that has fifty in it. So I'm going to try we're not to not do fifty. I, I'm definitely not going to do fifty.
1: Getting—I've
0: um, just got to find the ones that I noted that I want to talk about. I didn't do them in any. <laughs> sensical order that's fine it's fine the next one is justification and moral licensing this one's interesting it's when you've made progress toward a goal and then you justify doing something that's inconsistent with that oh okay this is kind of a topical example have you heard about the ellen DeGeneres stuff a little bit So there's a a recent kind of upset that that a lot of workers, like staff on the Ellen show, have come forward and said that that she's she's a a really bad boss. Like, when I bring her coffee, she won't let me look her in the eyes, that kind of stuff. And when she came – like, when the next season of her show happened, her – I'm going to use quote-unquote apology – was kind of underwhelming. And a lot of what she was saying was like, I'm a good person. I, like – give to charity and I, like, work toward these things and, like... That's a justification. Exactly. Like, Uh that's great that you do that. You should still do that. But that's not a justification for, like, treating your direct workers like garbage. But maybe
1: she has some kind of mental illness that makes it really difficult for her to be one-on-one with people. Because some people, you know, they can perform in front of hundreds and thousands of people and be all about it. I hear what you're saying,
0: but it is our responsibility as humans that when we have a mental illness that is affecting how we treat others, we need to get help for it. Yeah. And she has all the resources in the world to get help for it. That's true. That's all I'm
1: saying. Okay. All right.
0: I would say say the same thing to anyone sitting on my couch if they were trying – because that's justification, I would say. If we're saying, well, I have social anxiety, so I treat people like garbage, I would be like, no, 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 no. You have social anxiety, so it's your responsibility to get help for it, so you don't treat people like garbage. Right, right.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. I feel strongly
0: about this, man. I can see that. The next one I think is really important. It's assuming feelings will stay the same. These these don't have as snappy uh, titles as some I was going to say, shouldn't ones.
1: they have like a fancy word? Yeah, it's I don't know. just assuming that. I, are, I would call uh,
0: this like the fallacy of feeling permanence or something. Ah. That we think that our feelings are going to, like if we feel a certain way at one point, we're going to feel that way all the time. It's kind of, it ties into this feeling of like, if I can't cope with something today, I'm not going to be able to cope with it tomorrow. When in reality, our feelings are very malleable. Our feelings shift a lot. Absolutely. Right now, I'm I'm dealing with a client. She's dealing with some struggles in her relationship. And she came in in one of our last appointments. And she talked about how her partner gets very upset with himself because he says, you know, like, he gets really frustrated, like, I'm really upset one day, and then uh, the next day I'll be really fine, and then we'll have a stretch of a few really good days. And then when I go back to, like, feeling bad when I'm upset about something or when I- I'm struggling with, like, a depression day, what I believe then is that those good days were fake. Oh. That is something that pops up so often in depression. That is something that depression's really good at making us believe, That, like, when I'm happy, that happiness is fake or the other way. I'm um, not really
1: depressed. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I had a good day or I laughed at a joke. That must mean I'm not depressed. That must mean I'm faking it. Don't let your brain tell you that. Feelings Mm -hmm. are very impermanent and they change and that's okay. The next one is the halo effect, which is, uh, I think, very important. Very cool. It's when we put a quality on something that is based on not that thing but something that's around it <laughs> the, the example that they give is is like i want to i want to tell him to shut up because it says for example perceiving high calorie foods as lower in calories if they're accompanied
1: by a salad that's a weird it is an example <laughs> we talked about this in grad I, school i, I remember talking about we, the halo effect i i don't it's hard
0: to explain i can't think of a better example yeah. for it or, like, if, if two people are working together and one of them is, is really skilled and really talented, then the other one may be seen as more skilled or talented because than they are. Because yeah, yeah. they're working with Yeah, They're kind of benefiting to... from the yeah. halo effect. And there's and there's like I said, I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna cut it off there. Halo effect, I think is a good one to
1: that you can look up if you want to
0: know more about. So like
1: me hanging out with you on the podcast makes me seem kind of cool because I'm hanging out with a cool kid doing a podcast. Cool young
0: technology based. <laughs> it makes me so good at technology. Hip. It makes me hip, so, so hip, so fresh, so stylish. <laughs> You can tell I'm really hip because I Boy, use the word fresh. my cognitive distortions are really strong. My husband bought shoes the other day, and I was like, dang, those are some fresh kicks. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that's what the kids say anymore. Is that what the youngins are saying these days? Check out my fresh kicks. <laughs> I don't think that's so accurate. In, yeah. So anyway, if you do want to know more cognitive distortions, like I said, I... I only mentioned There's like a cajillion of them <laughs> that were on that list, and of I'm 50. sure that
1: there are some that we don't actually have titles for. Yeah, it's just the idea that our brain takes something and and creates something that's maybe not completely real in order to. Help us or
0: or hurt us or hurt us. It can us. be both. Yeah,
1: it does. It, often distortions are negative, right? That they unfortunately, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, and we did talk about that a lot in our episode about CBT. Mm-hmm. So, and
0: they're often. I mean, we talked about a couple like overgeneralizing that can be negative based on like how we view others. But often, it's how we view ourselves. I mean, we can be really, really hard on ourselves, and the cognitive distortions can kind of help us along with that by, you know, I mean, the shoulds are a huge example where... I should be doing better than I am, or I shouldn't be feeling like this or anything like that. So we have to be really careful that we are viewing ourselves in a fair way. Right. And another plug for therapy, that can help us look at ourselves more objectively.
1: That's very true. And as you pointed out before, and we always point out on our podcast, the idea of self-awareness. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, man, I got a whole bunch of those things. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's okay. It's okay. It's not bad. It's just a thing that we need to be aware of. Right. And decide what we need to do with that. So, get therapy. Amen. The assistant. end. <laughs> be self aware and get therapy. Be self aware. And be balanced. And get
0: therapy. The end. Thank you for listening to our podcast. <laughs>
1: Can I thank the listeners? Please do. All right. Thank you so much, Sipsters, for being with us again uh, for another episode. We always love that you're with us. We thank you for your reviews. Um, those brighten our day. If you take a, a moment to send a review, we would really appreciate that.
0: We and very much overvalue the positive when we get a review. <laughs> we say, hey, we got a one star review. We five have a fallacy review. of believing
1: that, that we are actually that everyone loves us. <laughs> Let's stay positive. (laughs) No balance needed. We're good. So tell your friends about Freudian Sips. Buy some merch. Buy some merch and walk around with it everywhere and let people read it and say, hey, I want to know about Freudian Sips. Amen. Yes.
0: Thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate when you join us, even if we haven't done much research. I hope everyone was drinking a lot. So it (laughs) seems like I knew more than I do. Overvalue the positive for me, please. Thank you. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Our site is FreudianSipsPod.com. If you want to go there, check out where you can find us, our episodes, all that good stuff. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us, FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. And you can go to Patreon if you want to support the show. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review. If you can do that, wherever you're listening. And email us so you can get a sticker for that. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this.